0: Thank you, Brother Rick. That's all. If you have your Bibles, you can stand with me. Colossians chapter 3. We're stuck like a broke record, right? Verse 5. Colossians 3, verse 5. Our topic this morning is our new life in Christ. Colossians 3, verse 5. The Bible says, mortify therefore. Your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Father, speak to our hearts today. Challenge us, God, to be more like you. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. What a God we serve. What a great God that we serve, and we've spent some time, several weeks now, over a couple of months probably, looking at uh, how to develop a heavenly mindset, and we, we learned, I think, at least three important facts, and I, I know I repeat them every Sunday, but they're so important, and I want you to know, folks, as a child of God, it matters what we know. Because our faith is not based on emotions. It is based on the Word of God. And by grace we're saved. By faith through grace. And that faith is not our own. It is a gift of God. But if you have been born again, three important facts. Number one, we are risen with Christ. Number two, we are dead and our lives are hidden in Christ. And number three, what a glorious promise. One of these days, when Jesus appears, we are going to appear with Him in glory. Now because of those three facts, or two facts and one promise, that ought to help us understand how we ought to live our new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, I am not who I used to be, and I thank God for that. Now I'm not I've not arrived yet. I've not reached that mark yet, but I'm striving. I'm leaning forward. And one of these days, glory to God, when I see him face to face, I'll be just like he has. Now remember, we have that glorious promise that one of these days, one of these glorious days, when Christ is manifested in glory, we will be manifested with him. And folks, that ought to motivate us to live lives that honor God in everything we do. So again, in verse 5 of Colossians 3, Paul says, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, concupiscence, and covetousness, which is I. Tree. I find it kind of interesting when we get to verse 5 of chapter 3 of Colossians. Paul begins to change his imagery and he moves from uh, the imagery of death and life to putting something on and putting something off. There are things as a Christian we need to add to our lives, but there's also things we need to get rid of. So Paul says we're to mortify. And in the Greek it's a very strong word. Uh, it, uh, it, it It's a command, if you will, that suggests very strongly a decisive action. So Paul says, mortify, do it now, and do it with determination. We've got to mortify the members of our body in this earth. Now, we need to understand something, folks. We are risen with Christ. Our life is hid with Christ, and that reminds us of what God has already done in our lives. Christ has come into our lives, so God has already done those things, but you and I, as children of God, we need to know this, and we need to consider that, count it as true, and folks, we need to live our lives according to that truth. Our lives need to be different. Romans chapter 6 and verse 5, Paul said this. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Folks, we have been crucified with Christ. Paul told the Colossae Church that we were, our lives are healed in Christ. And because of that, we are not to go on living as though we are still slaves to sin. But the Bible says, if you're in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. Praise God. We don't have to serve sin any longer. We're to put away that old life. We are to put that away because that old life, it, it emanates from our old earthly nature. And Paul said, whatever belongs to your members, your earthly nature, Paul says, mortify those things in your life. Now remember, Paul is contrasting uh, these these. These things on earth, these, these earthly nature, it stands in contrast to heavenly things, things that are above. Again, Colossians 3, verses 1 and verse 2. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ is at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above. So our earthly nature is in contrast to that. And Paul says we're to put off that old self. We're to subdue it. We're to overcome that by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 4, verse 22, Paul said this. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Put off the old man. Now, one thing that I've heard through the years, one of many things I've heard that gets under my skin. When somebody says to me, preacher, that's the way I am, I can't help it. i got a word for that one too, hardwash. We're to put off that old nature. We're to put it off, get rid of it. Paul said in Colossians three nine: Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Now, by the way, We mentioned this a week or so ago. The day we got saved, we acquired a godly nature. But the old nature is still there. And the old nature is going to battle with us till we get home to heaven. And so Paul says, when he says not to lie, now by the way, how many know he's writing to Christians here? He's telling Christians, do not lie. Don't do it, Paul says. Paul said, because you have put off that old man, and you put off those old deeds, you are now a different person. And so Paul says to us today as believers, put off your old self. Get rid of that. Don't live that way anymore. Know that God has made a change in your life, and live like he has made that change. And here's what I think we need to emphasize more and more in our culture. Knowing Jesus Christ has a profound effect on our lives. It has a deep, profound effect in our lives. And we should not live the way we used to live before. Our lives have been changed by the power of the gospel. And now we need to live our lives accordingly because we are a new creation in Christ. Second Corinthians five seventeen, look <clears> what <throat> the Bible says. Therefore If any man be in Christ... Let me stop here for a moment. Anybody here in Christ? Amen. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. The moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior... A radical change took place in your life. And we are not the same person anymore. God has made a difference in our life. Thank you, Lord. We are brand new people. The Spirit of God gives us a new life. And we're not the same anymore. And let me remind you, folks, Paul said we are new creatures in Christ. We're a new creation. We are not reformed. We're not rehabilitated. We are not reeducated. We are recreated. We are a new creature in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise his holy name. A radical change. And now, because of that, we live our lives in vital union with the Lord Jesus Christ. He lives in us, and now we live in union with him. Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Do you realize that the moment we were saved, we didn't just turn over a new leaf. We began a new life. And that new life is now under a new master. And our master is no longer sin or Satan. Our master is now the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says everything old has passed away. It has passed away. The old order of sin is gone. The old order of death is gone. The selfish, sinful human nature has been given a death blow. And my friend, he is no longer, thank God, king of the hill. Jesus Christ is. Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 16 through 21, and then verse 24. This I say then, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These things are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But here's the solution. If you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things here they well shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In verse 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh and the affections and the lust. I don't know how much plainer the Bible can make it, but the Bible says that those who do such things will not Inherit the kingdom of God. And by the way, this was we read a long list here in Galatians 5. As the Bible gives us a list of the works of the flesh. But please know that's not all inclusive. There are others. And Paul reminds us of which we were. Somewhere in that list, I'm there. I was there. Somewhere in the list, you were there. But Christ has come to save us delivers out of that wicked world that we might overcome our sin nature. And so old ways of thinking, old distinctions have been abolished if you are in Jesus Christ. We are new creatures in Christ. And in its place, the new has now come. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And so, it's interesting, there's is Second Corinthians 5, verse 17, Paul draws attention to it, and he uses the word, behold, look again, Second Corinthians 5, behold, all things are become new. Paul says, look, everything has become new. What's he mean? Folks, this is what Christ did for us the moment we're saved. And the Bible says now that he's done that, we're to live accordingly. We're to live our lives like that is true. We're not to live our lives the way we did before. We died. And we were raised with Christ. That's true. But we have no obligation to give into the flesh. Yes, we have died to Christ. And our lives must show evidence of that. We're new creations. The old sinful nature is still there. He will raise his ugly head. He will try to draw us back. But folks, we are no longer under obligation to the old nature. A new life in Jesus Christ. Now remember, if you try to overcome the desires of the flesh on your own power, you will fail every time. The only way we can overcome the desires of our flesh is we allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives. Allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives. So again, in verse 5, Colossians 3, Paul says, Mortify therefore your members Worship on the earth. Mortify them. Kind of interesting, in this verse and later on in the chapter, Paul lists two sets of sin. The first set that we're going to look at today in verse 5 is sexual. The second in verse 8, are are, our speech, what we do with our mouth. How many know it matters what you say? You didn't hear me. How many know it matters what you say? Amen. God hears what you say. And there are sins... We commit with our mouth, too. But the first one he mentions, of course, is fornication, sexual sin. And let me give you seven quick things about fornication. Number one, it's any sexual misconduct or impure sexual activity that occurs outside the bounds of a marriage covenant. And by the way, a biblical marriage is between a man and a woman. Let me say it one more time. Biblical marriage in between a man and a woman. And by the way, this is three. If you're born a biological man, you stay a biological man. If you're born a biological woman, you are a biological woman. I don't care what you say, what you think. That's another topic another time. But marriage is one man and one woman. a same-sex marriage does not exist in the eyes of God. a same-sex marriage does not exist in the eyes of God. But we're talking about fornication this morning. Also, this fornication is in chapter 1 of Romans. Paul did some horrible sins and fornication included in that. The third thing, Jesus said in Matthew 15, that fornication comes within the heart. It comes from within the heart. The fourth thing, fornication violates the seventh commandment. Number five, I don't care where you're reading the Bible, the Bible condemns it. It's never spoken of in a positive term. It's always condemned in scripture. Number six, It's one of the few things the Bible says run from. Run. How many remember Joseph in the Old Testament? And evidently, Apollos' wife was a knockout. And Joseph was like me. He was tall, dark, and handsome. Well, maybe short, dark, and I don't know. (laughs) But she had eyes for him. And it got so bad, what did Joseph do? He ran. Flee fornication. And the reason he ran, he knew he would be tempted to stay long. So it violates the seventh commandment. The Bible says, run from it. But the seventh thing, and we're going to dwell on that for a little while. Sexual sin is unique in that it's a sin against our own body. And I don't, I don't know how to make it any clearer, folks. And the Bible is clear on this. No sin affects our body the way sexual sin does. First Corinthians five, I'm sorry, six, verses twelve through seventeen. We read this last week, but I want to dwell some more on it because we want to draw some things here. Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach, stomach for the foods. But God will destroy both it and them. Notice this. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Verse 14. And God has raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know? Again, it's important what we know. That your bodies are members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Deep words. Paul begins by saying in verse twelve, "All things are lawful for me," and I mentioned last week most scholars agreed that that was a catchphrase of the day. What's it matter? I'm a child of God. I've been saved. He's washed away my sins. The blood of Christ taking care of all that. So all things are okay. How many know that smells like smoke? It's a lie from the pit of hell. But that's what they were saying to excuse the way they were living. And Paul said, uh-uh. Now remember, it's a fact. Thank God for what Jesus did. Amen. Jesus took away my sins. (laughs) He forgave them. And that's true. But, my friend, you need to understand something. That doesn't mean that everything is beneficial for me, it doesn't mean that uh, we can do what we know is wrong. Don't take that too far. Because we need to realize, even in the New Testament, God specifically forbids many sins that originally were found or listed in the Old Testament. But folks, understand, not every possible sin is listed. So Paul says, okay, I I can say, maybe you can say that, but not everything is beneficial. And we need to understand something, folks. While something may not be in black and white in the word of God, just because you can't find a specific verse, it doesn't mean that that action is okay for us to do. The question that we have to ask is what I'm doing or going to do, does it benefit me and does it benefit the church and does it honor Jesus Christ? There are some things that not listen to the Bible that you ought not be doing. Amen. Amen. There are some principles in the Word of God. And we need to understand, folks. I thank God for my Christian freedom. But God didn't give it to me that I might spend my time... Trying to find a way to gratify the flesh. Now I've never been out to Colorado to Pikes Peak or anywhere. Some I mean, of you have. But I've heard there's some narrow roads. Is that true out right that way on the mountainsides? But I'll guarantee you, if I'm going to drive up there, Pampa won't ride with me, but nonetheless. I'm going to stay close to that mountainside. I'm going to stay away from the edge. And I want to say. Today, in our culture, there are too many Christians living their life on the edge. Amen. But a second thing is true. And I would agree that some actions are not sinful in themselves. But Paul made a great statement. He said, I will not allow anything to have mastery over me. I don't care what it is. And so, they're not inappropriate in themselves. But they become inappropriate because there's a danger they might control our lives. They might control our lives and lead us from God. So please be very careful. And as, as a child of God, Uh, we must not allow these actions, whatever it is, to control our lives. Because the fact of the matter, we have one master. Who's that? Jesus Christ, God. And we shouldn't allow anything else to master or control our lives. So please understand something. Wouldn't you agree God has given us a lot of things, a glorious things to enjoy? Sure he has. With the crowning glory of his creation. It's all created for us. But we have to be careful and not allow those things that God has given us to bring joy to our lives to grow into a bad habit that ends up controlling our lives. If that happened, it becomes sin. And it's wrong. And I think I made this statement last week, and I'm going to say it again. If you are a child of God, I don't care what age you live in, God expects us to live by high standards. And may I add holy standards, biblical standards. But in verse 13, Paul says "This food for the stomach and the stomach for foods. Now again, Paul is simply repeating the catchphrase of the day. So you say say all the time, food's for the stomach and stomach for the foods. Now somehow, in some way, they, they believe that because the physical activity of eating and digesting food had no effect on their Christian life, They assumed or drew a a wrong conclusion that no other physical activity, including sexual immorality, would affect them. And my friend, they're wrong. Now, Paul makes it clear, the Bible makes it clear that it is true that what we eat does not affect our spiritual life. The Bible says that this physical realm is so transitory that one of these days God is going to do away with stomachs and with food. But Paul says to them the comparison you're making is not valid. You cannot Compare eating to sexual activity. They are totally different. And we have to remember that human beings are a combination of material and spiritual. And just as the spirit affects the body, the physical body affects the spirit. And we cannot commit sin with our bodies without damaging our soul because our bodies and souls are inseparably joined. What we do with our physical body affects our soul. And yes, the stomach is made for food. The Bible says so. But our bodies the Bible says were not made for sexual immorality. Stomachs and food the Bible says will pass away. But our bodies will be transformed and will be glorified. Hear me well. The only things in this world eternal or God's word and people we will live on somewhere forever for some eternal damnation for some eternal life and we have to understand one of these days, thank God our bodies will be glorified amen My grandfather, my dad, so i been dead now for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. I, I was privileged to get to know him until he, he was well into his 90s. And I don't know that he ever got saved. But he came to me one day and he said, I'm, I'm so glad I can talk to you about that Bible. And he says, you just make sense. But he told me something one time that I thought, wow, this is, this is great because most Christians don't realize it. He said, you know, I've read the Ten Commandments. He said, at first I thought that God put them out there to make my life miserable. But he said it dawned on me one day, he didn't do it to make me miserable. He did it so I could have a better life. And even my unsaved grandfather realized that. And I want you to realize, we have to understand that God doesn't forbid sexual sin just to be difficult. He knows what it can do to us. He knows the effect it has on our lives. He knows it has a power to destroy a person physically. He knows it has a power to destroy a person spiritually. And folks, whatever you do, never underestimate the power of sexual immorality. Proverbs says it's like a fire in a bosom. It burns and it burns and it burns. It has devastated countless lives. It's destroyed families. It's destroyed churches. It's destroyed communities. And my friend, it'll even destroy nations. You see, God wants to protect us from damaging ourselves. He wants to protect us from damaging others. And so God offers to fill us. And Ricky's all I need. Because he fulfills my loneliness. He fills my desires. And he fills it with himself. Let Christ be all you need. Rick, you didn't know I was going to preach this this morning, but he is all I need. And we need to allow him to fill the desires of our life. And my friend, only he can fill it. Well, I've got 40 minutes yet. Let's talk about the value of our physical body for a moment. First Corinthians 6.14 And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by His own power. Do you see the promise there? Just as he raised up his son, Jesus Christ. If you're a child of God, one of these days, God's going to raise you up too. Folks, take it to the bank. Write it down in the book you write things. That is a sure promise. And we have to understand something about the value of our physical body. You see, God's care and concern... For the physical body, it began back at creation. We know from the scriptures that Christ was put to death, but how we glad he's not dead anymore? God raised him up. Now, please understand something. Coming back to life from death is an impossibility in this world. It doesn't happen. God who controls everything the God who controls everything Brought his son back to life. And one day, he will also raise us by his power. Nate and the camper made it back safe and sound. One of the troop leaders, I don't even know his first name, Jody, from here, had a friend in Colorado that met them and him and Jordy had been friends for quite a few years. But this fellow had kind of gave his testimony to the boys. And he said, I was an atheist most of my life. And I began to study this thing. And he said, I realized some things that went on that only God could do. And I was sharing with Jesse before church today. He mentioned the in the book of Job, and when Job questions God and God begins to ask Job a serious question, where were you, where were you? And Job asks, God asked Job, can you unleash the chains of the Orion and the Pleiades? Meaning, I hold them in place. And in his studies, and I think he had set out to prove there is no God, he said, when I saw that, I knew there had to be a God. Because those are the only two star constellations that do not move. They do not move. And back then, who but God would know that? Who but God would know they were chained? But he also wanted to say that Job mentioned seven Pleiades. And for years, sides said, "Uh uh-oh, he's wrong. There's only six. But guess what we found some years ago? They found number seven. That's one of many things this fellow told them. But here's what I want you to know. The God who controls everything, even the Orion and the Pleiades, that God brought his son back to life. And one of these glorious days, he's going to raise us up to Oh, Hallelujah. What a God. And God values our bodies. The fact that God would bring his son back in a body. Now think about that. In a body shows the value that God places on his children's physical body. On my physical body and your physical body. And it's interesting, in our text this morning, Paul makes a point uh, to prepare uh, what he's about to tell them about why believers must not use their body for sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians six thirteen, 13, the last part of it. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. What's Paul saying? He's saying that we must not use our bodies. It must not be used for sexual immorality. Why? Because we are members of the body of Christ. We read that a moment ago in verses 12 through 17. We are members of the body of Christ. and any immoral sexual union violates our mystical one flesh with Jesus Christ now by the way way back in genesis when the bible says the two become one flesh i think exactly what god was talking about through sexual intimacy 1 Corinthians 6.15 Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot God forbid now I know in the context of this text in Corinth there were temple prostitutes And uh, it was common in that culture to get involved with that. But please understand, fornication is any type of sexual immorality outside the context of marriage. And so the Bible says this, basically. We do not have the right to use our body any way I want to. Why? Because I belong to the Lord. I am Yes, I'm a child of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for my sins. So when Paul says mortify fornication, any sexual conduct outside of marriage, because it runs contrary to our new nature, it runs contrary to our new identity, as members of the body of Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter who we are, if you are a Christian, if you are born again, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It is a holy place that belongs to Jesus Christ. And I'll I'll never get over the fact that the God of the universe resides in this body. When Solomon built that magnificent temple, he was concerned no house can contain God. And none can. But aren't you glad God chose to reside in us through the power of the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 6.19 Or do you not know? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You're not your own. How many know today, as a Christian, you've been bought with a price. You've been redeemed. Redeemed by God but redeemed us for good and righteous works. He did not redeem us that we might continue in our sin. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Child of God, you're a new creature. God redeemed us. We are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus. And the goal is that we might do good works and that we ought to walk in them. Are you walking in them today? Let's stand together. Our new life in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's a lot with that thought this morning that we haven't touched on yet. Jesus compares the marriage union with the union we have in Christ in Ephesians 5. But remember this, folks. We're to walk in... Righteousness, Father, we love you today. And I pray, God, that your word will go out and have free course. And I pray, Lord, that we've shared your truth. And if anything I've said in here, God, remove it from our minds. Father, I pray would we'll allow the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts. God, that all of us would walk worthy of our calling in Christ Jesus. Father, do a work that I cannot do. And do the work that I need, everyone needs in our life. And we'll pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord.